John chapter 21, we're going to be talking about Phileo finds you fishing again. Phileo finds you fishing again. John 21, let's look at verse 15, please. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bless this message, bless your word. Those of us who are believers, we've been born again. I pray that you would strengthen our faith, help us to see how through the life of Simon Peter that you wanted to grow him from a phileo love to an agape love. I pray that you would do the same work in us. I pray that you would bring us to a maturity in our faith. God, I pray that you would help me as I preach. Fill me with your spirit. Empty me of self. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I pray, Father, that you would speak to the heart of each person listening. Lord, if someone is here today and they're trusting in their own goodness to be justified before you, I pray that you would convince that person who is listening that they need the salvation that is through Jesus Christ alone. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Phileo finds you fishing again. Now, in order to unpack what's happening here, we're going to go on a journey today, and the central figure is going to be Simon Peter. He's a disciple of the Lord. He's one of the 12, and actually he's one of the three main guys that Jesus spent a lot of time with. And here in chapter number 21, this is after the death of Jesus. This is after the resurrection of Christ. And we begin in verse number one. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Now that's seven disciples that we have here. According to Roman law, there needed to be seven witnesses in order for something to stand up in court. And so we can see here that when we're talking about the validity of the resurrected Christ being seen, even this, in this particular instance, when Jesus shows himself, isn't it amazing that even in just this one instance that we can see that it would, it would hold up in court when seven guys said, yeah, we saw him. And of course, there were many other such instances. 
Verse three, Simon Peter saith unto them, said unto these six others, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now, perhaps it was a little too far away. Perhaps the sun was still coming up and it was, it was not very clear for whatever the reason. There was someone on the shore. They didn't know who it was. And it says in verse five, then Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? Isn't it amazing how many times when we try and try and try and try in our life. And Jesus just comes and asks us the simple question, that thing you've been trying so hard to do in your own strength, has it happened for you yet? It's just a simple question. Don't you just love the way he treats us? He really does treat us like children, doesn't he? Because oftentimes that's how we act. And he says, children, do you have any food? Do you have any meat? (laughs) They reply. They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And you shall find. See the promise there? Just a simple instruction. Throw that net over on the other side. And it wasn't, if it would have been one of their friends, perhaps it would have been just throw your net on the other side. But here with Jesus, it is a promise, right? Every promise in him is yea and amen. Meaning when we come to him, we can trust whatever promise it is that he is promising us. And here he's saying, take your net and throw it over on the other side and you will find. They cast therefore, and now... They were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Guys, listen, so many times that thing that we're looking for in life that we're trying to do on our own, if we would just humble ourselves and allow the instructions of Jesus, his word, the teaching and the preaching to instruct us and to create a relationship of trust, the abundance and the blessings can be such that it's just overwhelming. And I'm not preaching here a prosperity gospel where if you come to church, you'll get rich. I'm not saying that at all. I'm trying to say that there are problems and issues and difficulties that we have in life that so many times without even thinking about it, we as Christians, we're Christians and we know these guys were saved. They were good guys. And yes, we know that Peter failed, but he was with the disciples. There's always a little bit of debate. You know, it doesn't say very clearly whether or not he was fishing and going back to his old life or if he was just going fishing because he wanted to go fishing. It doesn't really say either way. Jesus doesn't rebuke him for fishing. But it doesn't matter what we do in life. We have to be able to bring Jesus into whatever pursuit that we are doing. And would you bless this time together? Would you help me, please? We can easily say. And we can do it in our own power, but when we bring Jesus into it, wow, What incredible blessings are to be found. They were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Ah, Look at verse number seven. Now they know who the man on the shore is. Now they know who the man on the shore is. Listen, if you really want to know who Jesus is, you have to be willing to follow his instructions. If you really want to know if it's true, You have to be willing to take his word and say, you know what? 
The Bible says in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. How much trust did it really take for them to take that neck and just throw it over on the other side? Honestly, not that much. And sometimes we can kind of, we can kind of psych ourselves out and say, well, Jesus, you're telling me to do that. That's not going to work. Well, how do you know? If you would just try it, if you would just have enough faith to try it. How many of you love food? Oh man, look at the hands. And, and if you didn't raise your hand, it's, it's probably because you're thinking about food right now <laughs> and you're not listening too well, right? Amen. Oh man, I love food. And you know what? One of the great joys of my life is, is to introduce people into new foods. Love it. Love it. The new place that uh, we, uh, we just moved just uh, further south than Etobicoke. <sighs> Moving, right? Help us. And I've got a friend and, uh, and I said, He's like, man, when are we going to get together? You know, let's, let's, have, let's have a lunch. I said, there's this ramen place. Don't you love ramen? Not the package. That stuff is not ramen. That, that should not even be allowed to use the same name as what real ramen is. There's this ramen place. And you know what? When I take somebody to my new ramen place, I order my thing and I don't let them order something that's weird. It's like, look, no, no, no. If you don't know what to order, I'll order for you. That's what a real friend does, right? Amen. And so, uh, you know, here's, okay, here's your soup. And before I even take us, I'm, I'm watching them, right? And, and, and you want to see, you want to see their, uh, oh, that's it. That's the stuff, man. Isn't that just the best thing you ever had in your life? Amen. Right? There may be something that you particularly love. Maybe it's something that you make yourself or something from your home country, right? And, and it's just, you know, and, this, and you sit there and you wait. Yeah, that's the way Jesus is with his word. When, he, when he's coming to us and he's instructing us, he's like, that, he's like that really good friend that's taking you to that restaurant and he's watching you to say, See, ready? Like, here it is. Just do it. Just, just, and, and, and finally we just, we conjure up or he helps us to have enough faith. And we just finally, we just finally do it his way for that one moment. It's, oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is. Let me ask you something. Is there something in your life that God has been working on you to trust him with? Something he's wanting you to taste. You've been fighting him. You've been fishing all night. You see that effort? Fishing all night, man, these guys must have been exhausted. And, and, and oftentimes it's after a long bit of effort on our part where we have finally, so to speak, worked all night. We are so tired of trying to do it. We are, our energy is gone. Our determination is gone. We are absolutely finished. We're exhausted. And then in that moment, Jesus' sweet voice comes to us and he says, hey, why don't you pray about that thing? It's after you've had the longest week. Listen, guys, it's after you've had the longest week and you're absolutely exhausted. And you roll over on a Sunday morning about 9.30 and your eye, one eyeball pops open and you see the clock and you think, 
I probably should get up and go to church. Amen. Now, it's easy for me to preach this because you guys are here. Right? We all, we all had that one eyeball moment this, this morning. Amen. That's good. Right? And it's not just our brain that says get up. It's God's voice. It's the Holy Spirit inside that says, come on. And what, what, what do we automatically say back to him? I've been working all week. I am so tired, Miss Sonia. I am so tired. And he's like, look, if you would just do what I say and give me one hour, you would be more refreshed than if you had not worked all week. Isn't that true? Is that true? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And as we're willing to do, when we're just willing to do things his way, that we, that's, and they knew him. They, listen, they knew him. That is, that is the sweetest part about simply obeying his instructions. Is it's not that it worked, it's that he made it work. You, that is how a relationship between you and God is forged. That's, that's how it's forged. It's through just the daily things of life as mundane and as simple and pedestrian as going fishing. Let me ask you something. Have you prayed about it? Prayed about what? Prayed about it. Have you prayed about it? Have you been willing to ask him his wisdom? If we're not careful, we'll, we'll pretend like Jesus just stays here at the church. But when it comes to fishing, when it comes to stuff during the week, he's not out there. He doesn't go to my work. I don't see him there. At my, well, we, we need to allow him to bring the awareness of his presence into every aspect of our life. You have a quiz. You have a test. You have a work thing. You have a family thing. You have a relationship thing. You have, a, you have something going on. God, would you help me? Jesus, would you instruct me? And, and just as silly as it would sound after all night of fishing, to just throw the net on the other side. Sometimes his instructions sound like that's not going to work. But all it takes is just enough faith to just try it. Just enough faith to just try it. That's all he wants. That's all he needs. And they tried it. Verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved. Now who is this? Why doesn't he call himself by name? I don't know. But this is John. John's the one that wrote the book of John by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he always refers himself to that, which is kind of a very sweet, endearing kind of a uh, way to refer to yourself. I mean, what a, listen, what a great way to self-talk. This is just another little side nugget here. Side nugget. You guys know a side nugget? No side nugget? <laughs> Easter egg, I think, is the, uh, is, the, is, the, is, the, is, is the kind of the new way of saying it. Just a, just a nice little hidden little truth that's just kind of below the surface. When you talk about yourself, it's just like, no, I'm the, I'm the guy that Jesus loves. Is that true? Oh, it is true. But listen, what, what would change in my life? How would it change the outlook of my life? If I begin to think of myself as the one that Jesus loved. Wow. Sometimes, listen, again, this is just a side, just a little side note. Sometimes the difficulty that we have in life, 
and the difficulty we have in our relationship with God is because we always talk to ourselves in negative terms. I'm the one that Jesus doesn't like. That's not true at all. And the honest truth is that each and every one of these disciples and each and every one of us could have easily, we could easily call ourselves, yeah, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Isn't that good? Man, that's good. I, I, I love the way that John thinks about himself. And by the way, Jesus is the one that taught him that. Jesus is the one that made him feel that way. It's good. Verse seven. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, Peter still, he doesn't get it. Some of us, right? There's always those disciples. And sometimes I'm that disciple. They're just a little bit slow to get it. But the one that Jesus loved or the one who was convinced that Jesus still loved him. Amen. He said, oh, that's the Lord. That's the Lord right there. So they're fishing. And it says, now when Simon Peter heard that, it was the, that it was the Lord. He girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with, uh, with fishes. And as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon in bread. Now, Jesus was already cooking fish, but he was teaching them how to catch fish. He already had his fish. He created fish. Amen. He already had his fish. Right? Verse 10, Jesus saith unto them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. And for all, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Again, that was Jesus. The, the, the wording of the verse is saying it was an unusual thing, not only for there to be that many fishes, but also that the net wasn't broken. Right? And yet, guys, listen, and this is a rebuke to myself. How often do we have such a little faith in his promises? We think that's not going to work. And even if it did, it's not going to work out. He's like, no, no, just throw your net on the other side and you get all these fishes. And he says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm still going to make sure that that promise follows through. Because what good does it does it do to catch all of the fishes in the net and to not get them to land? Amen. He says, if I give you a promise. You can trust it for it to work, but you can trust for it to continue to work. That's good. I like that. Yet was not the net broken. Verse 12. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. None of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and likewise giveth them and fish likewise. Now, verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that, he was risen from the dead. Maybe a week after, I'm not exactly sure. doesn't really say. Potentially a week or so after he rose from the dead. So how many times did Jesus see Peter? Three times, it's saying. He saw his disciples three times. Jesus saw Peter three times. And now they get into this very personal conversation. Now we're going to dig into this personal conversation because this is the meat of the sermon right now. The meat... Of, 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 of this is that he begins to ask him this question after they're done eating, right? They're sitting around. You ever been at an awkward meal? I'm, I'm sure this was a little bit awkward, right? They're, they're sitting around and they're, and they're eating and, and there's something that's in Peter's heart 
And, and, and Jesus knows it's in there. And Peter knows it's in there. And Peter knows Jesus knows. And, and, and Jesus knows Peter. But, it, but they're not actually bringing it out. They're not actually talking about it. And we're going to get into the, awkward, the awkwardness and the failing of Peter here in just a moment. But the fact is, is that Peter was there. And Jesus accepted him back into the group. He wanted him in the group. Let me tell you something. You are slipping away from Jesus if you are not a part of the group. Let me say that again. You are slipping away from Jesus. Your relationship is becoming cold and distant. And there is something that is, going, that, that is, that is between you and Jesus. There is some guilt there's some shame, there's some failing, that, or maybe it's self-confidence. We'll see that in just a moment. But if you are not a part of the group, there is something between you and the Lord. No, I can be a really good Christian, stay home and watch everything online. No, you can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. I, I, well, I listen to podcasts. That's fantastic. But it's not the same as being a part of the group. When Jesus came together, he formed a group, a permanent group called his body, his, the local expression of Je- where, where is Jesus to be found nowadays? People want to say, well, if I saw him, you know where you need to see him? You need to see him at the church. This is, this is, where, he, this is where his body performs. Now, it's not him in, in physical form, but in physical form, we are his body. We're, we are his flesh and we are his bones. And, 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 and when we exercise our faith and you do your piece and you do your piece and I do my piece, all of us working together in that spirit of Christian love, all of us working together in, in, in Christian love is Christ's body. And when I see you and you exercise your gift and you act like a Christian and you come together and we all submit ourselves under the headship of Christ here at the church. When I see you and I see you and I see you sing and I see you give and I, and, and I see you receive the truth. You know what I see in you? I see him. I see Jesus in you. When I want to see Jesus, I see it in you. And if there's something between us, I need to forgive and you need to forgive and we need to forgive and I see Jesus in you. Jesus expresses himself in a local body called the church. And when Peter was away from the Lord, he was away from the group. But when he started coming back to the Lord, he came back into the group. But just because he was back in the group doesn't mean everything was good between him and Jesus. They were getting to that. And he's almost there. But being in the group is such an important part of it. The conversation, verse 15, so when they dined, Jesus saith unto him, Simon Peter, saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now, there's a little bit of a play on words here. In the Greek, he's asking him, do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, I phileo you. Now, let me explain what that means. These two Greek words, agape and phileo, are very significant. Agape is a decision of the mind. It means that I believe this and I'm going to do this. This is, the, this is the love of a healthy relationship. It doesn't mean you don't feel it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to feel it. This is for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. This is God's self-sacrificing love. It doesn't mean that he looked at, at the world and had this incredible affection and feeling for it. It means he saw the need and he did what love would do. That's agape love. Phileo love is feeling it. The feeling of the heart. This is something that you feel. It's, it's, it's I love ramen, since we've already talked about ramen, right? But also in a deeper sense, I love my wife. Now, it means I should agape love her. I should do what God would do. I should self-sacrifice, and I should love her the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. But it also means that I should have affection for her as well. And guys, here's the thing, is that when we get into this little conversation that seems so repetitive, three times, they're, asked, they're going back and forth. And Jesus just simply asked Peter, do you agape love me? Now, why did he ask him that? This seems like a strange conversation. If you didn't really know the background, it just seems like a strange conversation for two people to have, for you to have with Jesus. Jesus is saying, do you agape love me, Peter? And Peter says, Jesus, I phileo love you. I have really, really strong affection for you. And then Jesus comes back again the, the, the second time and says, do you agape love me? And he says, I phileo love you. And then the third time Jesus uses the phileo, he says, do you phileo love me? He's Peter being grieved says, Lord, you know that I phileo love you. Now, why does he keep asking him this? Peter, take our Bibles and we flip back just back to the book of Matthew. We're going to see where Peter makes a giant claim. Look at Matthew 26 and verse 33. We're just going to follow Peter's journey here just for a moment. Matthew 26. Now this is right before... Jesus goes to Gethsemane and prays before Jesus sweats the great drops of blood, right, in prayer in his agony in the garden. This is right before Jesus is arrested. This is right before Jesus dies on the cross and before three days later he rises. This is right before all that stuff happens. Matthew 26 and verse number 33. And Jesus is trying to teach them this. In verse 31, then saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I'm risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended, that they will fall. Doesn't mean his feelings were hurt. Offended in this sense means chip and fall. Like you're, you've, you, you've really messed up in your faith. You're no longer following by faith. Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never. You see this claim? <laughs> I will never be offended. I will never fall. Look at verse 34. Jesus said that verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee likewise also said all his disciples now we're going to come back to this passage here in just a moment actually we'll go ahead right now verse 36 then cometh jesus with them 
unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter, there he is, and two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And, when, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter. He says unto Peter. Remember, Peter's the one with the big boastful comment. Can I just make a point here? Jesus pays attention to what we say. He pays attention to what we say. If we say that we're going to do something, he will hold us to that. And it's not in a mean, dictatorial way. It's in a way where he said, hey, you said you were going to do that. How about let's fix the broken part of you of why you couldn't follow through with your claim, Peter. Let's talk about why you made this big claim in the, right before the garden. You're walking into the garden of Gethsemane saying, look, all of, he's pointing to all of his buddies. I love you more than all of you. He's pointing at them. You see, I mean, can we consider this to be a pretty prideful statement? You see, listen, the reason why Jesus is having this conversation with Peter, Jesus is having this conversation with Peter after the fish dinner is because he's addressing his phileo love that Jesus knew that Peter had in his heart. He had this love for Jesus that was a feeling, passionate kind of love. But passion is like fire. And a fire can burn up, whoosh, and it can be over. If you are in a relationship with somebody, husband or wife, or maybe in a dating relationship, and you are basing that relationship on phileo feeling love, it will not last. And the world says, well, just live with them for a bit or just go get divorced. And then after the passion's burned up, go somebody, go find somebody else that you can be happy with and go have another passionate romance feeling phileo love relationship with them. And then when that one's done, go find another one. You see, but Jesus isn't into that kind of a relationship. Jesus wants us to mature our relationships with others. But again, that flows out of our relationship with him from a phileo feeling type of a love to an agape love. Listen, I'm going from a... I'm a Jesus is telling Peter, I want you to go from a relationship where you phileo feel the passion... And in that moment of passion, he says, I will die for you, Jesus. But then a few verses later, we find that when Jesus is arrested, Peter followed afar off. He's, hey, he's following, but he's following safely away from danger. That's not agape love. 
That's phileo love. I would not question anybody's commitment to the Lord here in this room. You say, I love Jesus. But the problem is oftentimes our Christian experience is marked by a phileo love for Jesus. We follow when we feel it. And we're willing to sacrifice when we feel it. But when the heat gets turned up, when the heat of the situation is hotter than the passion we have for him, we stop following. We're all in that boat. Every one of us have that kind of a relationship with, with Jesus to some degree or another. And Jesus is, Jesus is confronting Peter on the shore and saying, hey, you came back to the group. That's fantastic. Now let's talk about what happened about a week and a half ago. Jesus wants to talk about what happened. Oh, why can't we just forget about it? If Listen, forgetting about it is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is dealing with it in a healthy and mature way and confronting why did you fall apart, Peter? Let me ask you something. Why do you fail the Lord? Why do I fail the Lord? It's for the same reason. Because the greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And that's agape love. That is a self-sacrificing right kind of John 3.16 love. And we've got to learn to grow from phileo love to agape love. And so he's, he's, he's broaching the subject. And exactly what Jesus prophesied happened. Peter follows from afar off. He sees Jesus. And Jesus is starting to go through the trial. And then Peter is confronted. How many occasions was Peter confronted? Do you know Jesus? Three times. Until the third time. He curses and swears and says, I absolutely do not know that man. Uh, Peter, that doesn't sound like your commitment back in Gethsemane is holding up, buddy. And then what happened right after that third time that he denied the Lord? Because they're in a big courtyard. Jesus looks across the courtyard, the Bible says, and he looked at Peter. He looked right at him. And Peter, Bible says, went out and wept bitterly. There is no healing for a broken heart until you are willing to talk about what happened between you and Jesus. Jesus, I am agreeing with you. That's what's happening here on the on, on the on the, the side of the of the of the lake. He's saying, do you love me? Do you agape me? And right then, Peter's conscience is going back to that moment when he said, Jesus, I'm, I'm not listening to your warning. I'm not listening to your warning. And that was a statement of agape. And Jesus said, that's not, that's not you. You can't do that. I'm telling you, you're going to fall. And he's bringing it back up. Why? So that Peter could admit. And in his humility, he said, Jesus, you're right. I phileo love you. You, you, hey, you were right back then, is what he's saying. You were right back then. Listen, you are, you will never have true healing and come back 
to a strength of faith unless you're willing to agree with God. Agree with him. Agree with him. Agree with him. And then Jesus says this, feed my sheep. He says, feed my lambs and then feed my sheep. And this is referring to Peter's future of taking care of the future church. Pastor, what's my future? Honestly, guys, we can go to all the therapy we want to go to. Listen, I'm almost done. We can go to all the therapy we want want to go to. We want to talk to all the professionals. We want to talk to everybody but Jesus. And when we get and we have that one-on-one conversation with him, what is he going to do? He's going to bring up the point, look, this is what you did and this is the failure. Now, he doesn't do that to knock us down. He does that the same way we look in a mirror and say, oh, I need to fix that. He wants to help you. He wants to help you get that thing fixed with his help. Just like a parent. Say, hey, buddy, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me get that off your face before you go running outside. Hmm? And we have to be willing to say, you're right. I agree with you. I did that thing. I said that. I'm sorry. And after he agreed with Jesus, then Jesus said, oh, Peter, by the way, here's your future. You know, the number one reason why people commit suicide. The number one reason why people get into addictive behaviors is they have no hope. You know why they have no hope? They feel like they have no purpose. You know what Jesus was giving Peter here after he agreed with him? His purpose. Guys, you have a purpose. Jesus has a purpose for you. But you have to be willing to say, Jesus, is there a time that I failed you? And if I did, I'm sorry, I agree with you. And I want you to bring me from an immature love to a more mature love. I'm willing for you to grow me. I'm willing for you to change me. I'm willing to agree with you. And your purpose will become clear. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.